I'm Michael Kist of Bleeding Green Nation, and I invite you, gentle listener, to join us for the best analysis of the Super Bowl champion Philadelphia Eagles in the business. BGN Radio provides you with the most informative preview shows, and the Kist and Solak show dives deep into all the schemes and X and O details you could ever want. Plus discussions with the industry's brightest minds, including former NFL players and press conferences from the Eagles coaching staff to keep you up to date and informed every step of the way. Subscribe to Bleeding Green Nation today. Fly, Eagles, fly. everybody how you doing well that's good welcome to broad street hockey radio that's right bsh radio everyone is turning down their headphones right now <laughs> every single one and it's because i just chugged a coffee uh, that's right bsh radio we are coming to you live my name is bill Matz. i am your director of fun and games for the evening uh we are here live like i said at the wildfire studios in this beautiful green room, I love it in here. If you are watching us on the Facebook Live, you can see us. Hey, everybody out there in Facebook land, uh, just block all your parents with their uh, their political takes. Just, you're only here for us. That's right. Uh, so let's. Uh, we got a lot. The Flyers. Um, they did, in fact, score some goals this week, but not uh, not all that. They did many. not win the game, though. They did not win the game. Uh, probably not the Stanley Cup. We're gonna get into all this. Uh, we're gonna start it off. With the panel for the evening, first and foremost, my broadcast partner in crime, Stephalicious D, Steph Driver. I know I said I was going to go to you last. No, <laughs> because I don't have, I don't but have you did the opposite. quick hit at the ready. Um, so let's talk about how this is not a playoff team. This is well, not a playoff team. Thank you and good night. <laughs> She's not the best color man in the league for nothing, folks. <laughs> <laughs> I'm a woman, bitch. <laughs> Uh, from TheAthletic.com, Philadelphia's number one hockey reporter, Charlie O'Connor. Okay, so I get that everyone's frustrated with the Flyers. I, I really do. Totally understand that they're not winning. They're not playing well. It's, it's all good. But it's not all bad. And most of the good bodes pretty well for the future. This time last year, well, maybe about two months, at, two, maybe like ten months ago, we were terrified that Drew and Voracek were falling off a cliff. They don't seem like they are. Sean Gouturier, who is still 24 until, I think, a few weeks down December the road. December 7th, yeah. I believe. He's having a major, major offensive breakout season and is possibly a legitimate first-line center. Provorov is doing really well. Ghost still is playing like Ghost. He wasn't ruined by the scratches last year. Travis Sandheim's legit. Nolan Patrick looks good. A ton of relevant kids in the minors are all playing well. They're either they're somewhere between like they're doing okay, like a Lindblom, 
or doing ridiculously awesome like a Vecchioni or a Martel or even a Myers when he's been healthy. Basically, all the players are underachieving. Talking guys like Wheel, Philpola, Weiss, Laterra, Reed, Raffle. The guys who aren't scoring, they're really not part of the future. And it's frustrating. It's frustrating to have two lines that just don't do anything. But most of the players that are pivotal to the success of this team over the next three to four years are playing pretty well. With maybe the exception of Konechny, he needs to get it going. And Simmons is kind of a mess right now. But like most of the important pieces are doing well. So even though this year is frustrating, I think things aren't bad on the whole for the future of the organization. The fly by herself, Kelly Hinkle. So, Charlie, would you say that you're ready to do that hockey? Got to do the hockey. <laughs> That's what's so up. <laughs> this team is um, a roller coaster of emotion, and I'm exhausted, and it's not even December yet. Like, it's, it's – I start thinking that it's good, and then everyone's like, you're an idiot. It's actually bad. And I'm like, no, but wait. Charlie said it's good. It's good, right? And everyone's like, no, stupid. It's terrible. Aren't you watching the games? And I'm like, but I just want to have fun. That's We kept using Thanksgiving as a benchmark. At least I did. I kept yeah. using it like, okay, we'll know this by Thanksgiving. And, like, we're not there yet, and I've already changed my opinion about this team three times. Like seven or eight times, yeah. probably. Yeah. It's it's exhausting. Joining us this week as a special guest, I still don't know his last name. <laughs> it's one of those mysteries. He just won't tell it to me. That that <laughs> means that you didn't read his athletic.com article. That's what Charlie said. Mm. Spot. Also, I, I wouldn't actually say he's special. He but is. He is I don't, yeah, he's just I don't a guest. That a lot. He is, <laughs> he is Kurt R. <laughs> Hi, folks. Um, okay, so last week, BSH Radio's own Steph Lister, Steve Steph Driver, announced and me or told us all that um, on NBC Sunday Night Football this week, the news would break that the Flyers and Penguins would be hosting an outdoor game at Lincoln Financial Field in 2019. And I thought, hey, this is cool. This is a good way, cool way to do it. Maybe they'll announce it. Like I assumed they would announce it during the game when, you know, a lot of Philadelphia sports fans would be watching and they'd like lead into it in a commercial. There'd be this like, you know, cool montage. It'd be awesome. And people would be like, yeah. And hopefully it'd be happening while the Eagles were winning and everyone would be pumped. Instead, instead, they like very casually slipped it into this pregame show an hour before the game started at about 725. Dan Patrick announced it just like in the pregame show when <laughs> everyone in Philadelphia was out getting hot wings and beer. And at 8.30, right when no one was watching their computers because the game was about to kick off, the NHL, the Flyers, the Penguins, NBC Sports all like send out their press releases, tweet it all out and all that. How does how does how do they always get it wrong? They're Every over. single how? time. They're over. How? Like, it'll be fun. I'm just reacting because they could have done this so much better. It's we'll all like be excited about this ball. game. No doubt at all. Swing and a miss. No, you, you have this every fan time. base who loves like everything. Like We pack, like we travel, we pack the stadiums for these special events. We do drafts, drafts yeah. everything. And you, Dan Patrick announces it at 725. Yeah. I, that's... And then they release it as... Steph Driver's announcement was better than Dan Patrick. Thank you. <laughs> no, because I didn't... My buddy just like got looked down and like got an update on his phone and goes... Oh, look at that. There's going to be a stadium series game, Flyers-Penguins at the link in 2019. I was like, I need more information, I guess. I wasn't watching the freaking pregame show. Somebody wrestling on last night. Put it Twitter. in a commercial yeah. break Stop while all the Philadelphia sports fans are watching. It's not hard. Uh, right. They also apparently announced it at the Flyers' Wives Carnival. They like I teased it. How are they something. so bad at this? They're so bad. Marketing like, is not their so show. They're so bad. Yeah, they were pretty much just like, hey... 
something's going to happen on Sunday. And everyone was like, yeah, we already know. Because Steph already because Steph told, told us. Everyone. But then, yeah, they still somehow messed it up. I just hate that it's at the link. It's I think annoying. They're, I think they're so bad at football stadiums. I don't like football stadiums yeah. for the outdoor games. Trying to get more seats. Yeah, yeah it's, it's huge. It it's is, just a bigger venue, but they just don't look as good. All I've right. never been to one of the outdoor games. <gasps> oh, never been. We're going to fix I. that shit. I think we have I to. i got to save the orange tux for just one more year. No, the orange, <laughs> the, the orange tux is dead. Oh, and three at outdoor games. Got to get it a win before I kill it. <laughs> I, I can't. So in terms of um, in terms of my all-time favorite flyers, I guess I'd have to say Lindros is at the top uh, because of what he actually meant to me. Like, I grew up on hockey because Eric Lindros was the thing for my age group. Um, Mike Richards, I probably cheered for harder than any player. Like, I loved him. I bought a Mike Richards jersey with a C on it uh, when Jason Smith was still captain. Like, that's how much I loved him. Uh, outside of those guys, like, I love Brian Boucher. I just loved him. Saw him with the Phantoms. Was a Phantom season ticket holder when I was a kid. Uh, and then after that, it's a bunch of fighters and guys I just liked because I played like them, a.k.a. not well. Um, <laughs> but Wayne Simmons is probably at this point as high as anybody on the list of my all-time favorite players. So it pains me that he's not producing right now. But I'm seeing a trend uh, that he's getting the benefit of the doubt that someone like Sean Couturier was never given uh, by many in the fan base. And this isn't just Simmons. I'm seeing with Konechny, too. And I do it in my post games. I go, oh, Konechny was everywhere. He's going to get it going. Well, all right, they'll get it going soon. When? Because they need it now. When they get it going later, it's going to be too late. I need it now. And that's what I wanted to start the show with tonight is um, – Want to talk about Travis Konechny. Want to talk about Wayne Simmons. Want to talk about the secondary scoring and where the hell it's been. Nolan Patrick, uh, his goal was the first goal by a Flyers forward not on the Couturier-Giroux-Voracek line since the Saturday, since two Saturdays prior. It was two weeks in between goals by forwards other than the top line. And Patrick was playing on a line with Drew and Voracek. I was going to say, weren't they out there? Yeah, like they the were second? out there. <laughs> okay. He just happened to get it. They also got goals from defensemen in that game, so they were the first ones. But it's still lost. They still basically haven't had a goal by a forward other than the top line because Couturier was off and he had just played on the penalty kill. This is concerning, no? Yes. But- yeah, but you know what? This goes back to... A, a lot of the frustration, I think a lot of what we're all kind of dancing around, which is like, it's the same thing that we've seen from this team for years. It's always been, there's no secondary scoring. There's no secondary scoring. There's no secondary scoring. It sucks. Like I'm tired of this in in, in terms of Travis Konechny in particular, the dude is everywhere. He is doing every single thing, right? Is this, is this a PDO thing? Is this a puck luck thing? It could be. I'm sure. I mean, basically everyone not on that top line probably has a crappy PDO because no one is scoring. Yeah. So I, I, it's it's sort of hard to just pin that on, like, pure puck luck. But, Steph, you're absolutely right. Like, looking at the numbers that, that Corey, Corey Schneider's tracked over the last couple of games, he, he, Konechny has generated 20 offensive zone entries in his last two games. He had 12 in one, eight in another, 13 of them are with control of the puck. So he's, he's creating through the middle of the ice. He's taken or directly set up 14 unblocked shots of 5-on-5 five five in those two games. 
He's creating shots, and he's taking shots. I, heard, I saw a lot of people complaining after the Winnipeg game that, well, he was passing up with too many opportunities. And there were a couple times he did. But the thing is, he still basically led the team in shots yeah. because he, even though he passed up on two or three, he was still in the offensive zone no, more than anyone biggest, else. My biggest issue with his shot selection at this point is if your options are take a, maybe a shot in a not-so-great position yeah, that's fair. or pass it to Weiss and Philpola, well, they're not scoring. Yeah. You are the only one who might get lucky. So put it on net. You are the best player on that line. Stop with that nonsense. Like Even the coach has recognized Dale Weiss isn't that good recently. One, one could argue he was the only player on that line. <laughs> I will make that argument. I, will, I have no problem making that argument. As a defender of Val Philpola, uh, I will say he's not very good. Uh, Phil like, has been passable, but like he's, yeah. he hasn't been good enough. When he's no back one has, in the three, no one hasn't been good, has been good enough. Other when than top he's line. back in that three C role, like steady. Okay, he's the third center because right, that's what he was last year. You had Jeroen Couturier, mm-hmm. and then he brought in Philpola and went. Oh, they have three usable centers now. And then when you know they had Nolan Patrick basically in that role with him, they were both the two slash three. They were your middle centers. Patrick comes out and Philpola falls off a cliff. Now he's back at the 3C. Patrick's back playing well. He's passable, but I, like they need more out of everybody. Yeah. And I'm gonna Travis Connecting has to put the puck in the net. He just has to. I don't know. After seeing the lines from practice today, I'm I'm actually feeling pretty positive about things because yeah, first of all, um, anytime Dave Haxtall does something that seems like it's moving things in the right direction i get really excited because it's such a rare occurrence so him putting wheel patrick and simmons back together i'm excited to see that and i want them to keep that line together for a while and let them get something going um because i've been i mean we've been saying on this show for a while that that line needs to get back together and patrick probably needs something to get himself going but i mean i i feel like that this particular iteration of the middle six is the most promising we've seen in a while. From what they have, yeah. <clears throat> yeah, With yeah, from these parts. 100% less Dale Weiss. Exactly, yeah. yes. That solves Dramatic a lot of problems. Improvement. Yeah. <laughs> and, and to to kind of piggyback off what Kelly said about praising Haxtell when he deserves <clears throat> to be praised, like, we've been talking about for weeks about how Michael Rafa was probably the guy on that, that fourth line that was best served moving back up in the lineup. I think we all agree from a talent standpoint, like, he's done it in the past, he's played up the lineup before, but it's not zero it's not easy for a coach to look past the big zero on the score sheet and say, mm-hmm. you know what, I trust this guy's talent. That point total is not representative of who he is, so I'm moving him up. And Haxtell did it. I have to give him credit because I didn't think he was going to do that until Raffle started getting some type of yeah. point production. I think it's the right move because I think Raffle is talented enough to unlock the scoring talent of other players up the lineup. But... I have to give him credit. I didn't think he was going to do it with Raffle just not being able to get a point. And when you look at, um, like, role and minutes, it's not like Dale Weiss was setting the world on fire in that role. Like, no. okay, no. he's he's playing with better, like, discernibly better line mates and doing literally nothing. <clears throat> at least, like, Michael Raffle, at worst, is better Dale Weiss. Like, <laughs> he can forecheck. He's good in the neutral zone. And like, oh you, god, that hurts like, my heart. We were, Seriously, like we were talking praise. <laughs> we were talking about uh, what he was doing for that fourth line a couple of weeks ago, and how basically all he did was create entries. Yeah, was, and now you have him and Konechny together. That could be something. Go ahead, Kurt. It was funny. I had kind of thought this came to me a day or two ago. I had kind of thought Raffle was Raffle. Wow, he's been here five years. Was basically, <laughs> get it together, was basically Jesus. Better Yori Laterra, as in if Laterra was like a lot faster. 
I could kind of see him being something like what Raffle is, but he's slow and not that old. He's like 29, I guess he's by hockey standards. I don't know. I guess that's kind of old. Oh, I guess but, we um, should say what the lines were practiced today. Someone on Facebook just Oh, yeah, out, yeah, yeah. I guess not everyone trolls uh, Twitter all day. Here. So it was, it was just the top line. The top line, Then, yeah. Kelly, you said it was Wheel, Patrick, Simmons, and mm-hmm. then they just kept the line from Saturday together with uh, Raffle, uh, Philpola, and Konechny. Yeah. And then they have Laterra on line four, and Weiss is scratched. Yes. So how much pressure is on Patrick right now? I don't think that much compared to some of the other guys like Travis Konechny and Jordan Wheel. Sure. I think that they're under a lot more pressure than Nolan Patrick. That is a great question, and I'm looking at Nolan Patrick's first couple of games back. And I'm not going to say I saw a different player. I just saw a player who looked freer out there, a guy who maybe wasn't feeling all of the, I'm the second pick, I'm supposed to be this guy, everyone loves me. This like I need to Everyone be doing, does love him. Everyone, <laughs> everyone look, look at those cheeks. I just, every, oh, I love him. Everyone's automatically counting on me to contribute to the offense and like, you know, I'm a 19-year-old rookie and I see a guy who's just playing more freely out there, making just some more simple plays, doing his thing and I think maybe Taking some pressure off him by, you know, out of sight, out of mind. People were, oh, what's up with Nolan Patrick? But he's not on the ice. Everyone else is getting the criticism for a little while. Maybe the time off was less about the head injury and more about, eh, let's just get him healthy, let him clear his head, not from so much the concussion, but also the pressure. And now he's out there and he's doing his thing and he looks more like the guy we thought we were going to get in the beginning. Yeah, I mean, he walks onto the ice and it's like, well, can't be much worse than these losers. Let's see how it goes. <laughs> <laughs> no matter what, it's an improvement over the guys who are filling in for him. No, like, and we go back to Dale Weiss. In my observations after Saturday's game, I basically noted that Dale Weiss, for the, literally for the year and change he's been with the Flyers, his role on his lines has basically been, hey, I'm just going to skate around and hope a better player creates a chance for me and that I happen to be in the right spot. Patrick did that a couple times on uh, on Saturday. But I want to see Patrick with players that can create themselves. And you got to see with the with the Wheel Simmons line at the very beginning of the year. But then they got torched by the Carter line in L.A. And then they took they took that line apart. And the one thing I've noticed about Patrick, and it's one of the reasons why I'm not that concerned about him not getting off to a super great start, is that He's so good around the net. He's The skill set is just – it's so obvious when he's around the net with the puck. The thing that he struggled the most at has been, like, puck battles in the corners. He loses a lot of puck battles in the corners, and I think he's just not used to how much stronger NHL players are than they were in juniors because in juniors, he was physically dominant. And yeah. I think he's used to, like – that's how he would extend cycles. That's how he would create his offense because – People couldn't get him off the puck. He would, he would go in the corners, and players would not want to engage with Nolan Patrick. Now, they're, he's losing most of those battles, and that's one of the reasons why his puck possession stats are, aren't the best so far. But I'm fully confident that give him two years of bulking up, and he will start winning those battles. You saw it with Couturier. As Couturier got older, he became a beast on, in the corners. But when he first was in the NHL, it wasn't that good at it, even though he was 6'3", you know, 195 or whatever when he got started. Like, Patrick's going to improve there, but in the interim, I want him with players that can win those battles so that he can— And Simmons and Wheel are— Simmons and Wheel are good players in the corners. They're good, strong players along the boards, and that's the type of—like, Raffle wouldn't even be a bad fit with Patrick. 
Fitzpatrick. Like, no. I, I want him with players who can actually do things rather than players like Weiss who just sort of wait for other people to do things for them. And we talked about that transition with Patrick in that, you know, he's not the fastest skater. He has depended on his size and strength for so long. Now he's out there, and you look at a guy like Jordan Wheel, who he is much bigger than, might be functionally stronger than Nolan Patrick at this point. That's an adjustment that you're just going to have to make and yeah put him with guys who can help him that's a great observation so Simmons is oh boy hurt um I've been hearing that and that leads to the question why is he playing yeah I don't understand yeah you know that's the ice then that's exactly my reaction because at first this enough is enough at first I was oh they're shorthanded on the blue line they have all these injuries and Jordan wheels hurt all this Nolan Patrick's hurt now these guys are back Simmons doesn't have to be playing hurt. Like, yeah, I, not I don't to mention that there are guys in the AHL who could slot in for him right, right? now, and it would be fun and good. So it's, <laughs> I mean, I, 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 like you, I was fine. If, okay, he's nursing something. Maybe he pulled his groin. There's something going on with the lower body because he seems to be slower. But okay, now now sit because you're not doing anyone yeah, any favors. Now at this point, it's it's not the, you know, all right, he went five or seven games at a goal. He yeah. does that sometimes. He's a streaky guy. Goal scorers are streaky. Uh, it's like 12, 13 games now. I guess their thought process is probably that, like, as long as he can sort of tread water at five on five, even a 70% Wayne Simmons still helps them a lot in front of the net on the power play. That's that's okay. the only thing I can think of because you're right. You're watching this guy, and he's clearly not the same guy he was even game one, you know, and not even going back to last year. One thing I will say, though, I put this in the outline. It's not something I particularly love to say, but one thing this has gotten me thinking is I'm not worried that he's not going to improve this year. I'm not concerned about that. When he gets healthy, he'll be better. My concern is that this is a glimpse of what Wayne Simmons will look like permanently in his 30s. When he's not slowed down because he's dealing with a muscle pull or a groin injury. He's slowed down because he's gotten older. And I think what what, what I'm seeing over these past few weeks is that he's not skilled enough to dominate if his speed and strength isn't there. And it's legitimately got me more leaning to the we should probably talk about trading Wayne Simmons rather than signing him to a massive contract in his 30s. Charlie, welcome to the resistance. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I flip-flopped back on this. <laughs> but if, if, it is an, an, if it is an injury and he's fine, like, he, need, he needs to be out of the lineup yeah. right now. Yeah. Like, sit a week, sit two weeks and get better because yeah, no one ever like, got is, healthier playing in the NHL. No, 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 no it's not going to get better. <laughs> not this way. <laughs> and he's a guy with a target. Like he's a guy team. Like yeah. he's a tough guy. He runs his mouth. He plays in front of the net. He plays in the greasy areas. Like you're not going to be able to get healthy taking the beating Wayne Simmons takes. Yeah. It, it's, it's time to sit for a minute. Yeah. And like I said, it's not like they're, they're going to struggle to fill that spot right now. There are guys that could, I mean, Vecchioni could come right up. Well, unfortunately, well, unfortunately it would probably just put Weiss back in the lineup. And well, then we're back to our same problem. Well, Weiss on power play one. <laughs> My concern you is joke, like, but yeah, I mean, Wayne Simmons <laughs> skill set. We, we say Simmons can be replaced. And I mean, at, at five on five, he probably can. My concern is his skill set is at, on the power play is like so unique and hard to replace. Yeah. And they're so like, We've seen how much crap 
hmm. the everything that's not the top line has been since the calendar turned to November. I think they may be concerned that like even if like you said, even if he's seventy percent, what he does on the power play, we're not finding that anywhere else. Hmm. And the power play goes on slumps. It always goes on slumps and it always gets better. I think they're thinking this is this is gonna get better. It always does. It always does. And at some point it probably will, but is that is that going to work? Like, is that the best course of action here as opposed to giving him five games, like, I don't know, five games off just to toss a number out there and hope that everyone else can sort of find their footing in the meantime. Well, Kurt, do you know who brought something to the power play that's similar to Wayne Simmons? Oh, are we no. that are we that far down the outline yet? No, I'm just Ryan saying Ryan White. <laughs> nice. <laughs> uh, there was a, that in, would be a Braden Shen. Braden Shen. A couple of years ago when uh, Simmons broke his leg at the end, like with like yeah. four or five games. Yeah, yeah. Ryan White was there. Yeah. Ryan White filled in, that. and the power play was at like 70% for like three games or something. I was like, oh, look at that. <laughs> one, of my, presence. one of my favorite Ryan White things, and it was, it was a, a little aside that it, Ryan White's name was not even said. But it was R.J. Umberger's exit interview after that year, which was like the end of his NHL career. And someone basically asked him, like, you know, or do you think you deserved a larger role on this team? And he basically said, yeah, of course I do. You know, I, I think I can, you know, could have played up further up the lineup or, or played on the power play. And, and, it was, and it was very clear that he was like, well, shit, you guys put Ryan friggin' White on the power play. I could do that. <laughs> RJ? <laughs> oh, God. No, you couldn't. <laughs> That's amazing. I didn't, I didn't know that. Um, what I, a, a, a thing that I want to discuss, and it may... Oh, it's a little bit further in the outline, but I'm just going to jump ahead here. Um, somebody else that could have replaced Simmons was Matt Reed, who... Mm. A, a lot of people are really, really down on Matt Reed, but the dude can still play hockey. He's just not yeah. as fast as he was. Like He can still play hockey, but not today for the Flyers I because just feel like, uh, yeah. he's back on waivers. Yeah, no, we'll, we'll, we can get into that. Reed got waived today. He'll be sent back to the Phantoms unless someone out there claims him, which, you know, good luck. Um, <laughs> I like lo- compared oh, to knows? compared to the two guys who've played over him. I would prefer Matt Reed. Yes, yeah, but yeah. again, yeah, when we're talking Weislatera Reed, I maybe just dress seven defensemen. I don't know. Uh, <laughs> get Katoria some extra shifts or something. Ghost at wing. Yeah. Oh, Ghost at wing. Oh God, oh, God help but- us all. <laughs> Steph did uh, journalism, and now she's going to cheat. Sorry, I'm sorry. I'm trying to delete. <laughs> Uh, Matt Reed played four games this year, played a total of 44 minutes, had no points, and had one shot on goal. So maybe he isn't better than Weiss and Letaire, and it's just I've seen more of those guys, so I hate them more. Uh, I, I don't know. I, I, I just – why can't – why, if it's Reed, can't the other guys be waived and we can't get Mike Vecchioni? Why can't it just be Vecchioni? Um, hold on. There's a reason for this. They've got more years left on their contracts. I don't Reed's care. Is there a thing? Uh, I don't know. Lata- La- La- Terra and Reed. has two. Weiss has three. three. Yeah. So that might be it, that they're just more comfortable with Matt Reed because they don't have to, pr- they don't have to drag this out I think for in the many more years. I ca- yeah. I think in the preseason, yeah, I called I Reed so. the least significant player on this roster. Mostly for that reason, there was nothing invested in him and he was the easiest guy to wave. So but like mm. no one's, no one is claiming Yuri Laterra. Like, no. Wow. 4.7? Absolutely not. Yuri no. Laterra, like, 
by as it was shown in the Braden Shen trade, which we will discuss later, he probably has negative value as an asset. Yeah. Because he was literally a guy that we took on basically to get an extra first. He may have been holding back Vladimir Tarasenko, (laughs) who's a like legit forty-five goal scorer. (laughs) Like bare minimum, you pencil him in for forty-five, and yeah, he might actually be like fifty-five. Yeah. Dragging around that angle is obscene. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, yeah, I just like, I I don't I just I don't understand the Matt Reed stuff mostly because I don't understand how they went out and basically did the exact same thing that they did with Reed with Dale Weiss. Oh, he's like a you know third line guy. Let's give him four years. Well, all right, you no, just, we we already saw a band that was on. once. It was it was not the same thing because Matt Reed was coming right out of college. Dale Weiss we knew was not good at the NHL level, and and Ron Hextall was like, "That's a guy I need, need that guy." Yeah, and, and Reed had twenty goal seasons. Reed was one of the better penalty killers on the team for a while. Like Matt Calder nominee. The, the reason Reed. why the Matt Reed thing didn't work out is because Matt Reed got worse. Yeah. Dale Weiss was never good That's, enough I'm to get that contract you in the saw, first place. You saw the back end of the Reed thing and how locking into someone who plays that bottom six style is useless like that's a bad contract no matter how good he was in the front end of it and before he signed it you you're witnessing the downfall of that deal and you go Dale Weiss four years <laughs> yes like wh- you gotta what lock are you looking at up. you gotta lock it up <laughs> yeah can't let that walk I, and like that's one thing I, I have no problem bringing up constantly because I was right about it from the start <laughs> <laughs> this isn't hindsight I said this is dumb from the beginning why not just lock up Ryan White like I, I this that's two Ryan White mentions in one show we're done with Ryan White if for this for the third season. time he appears he's the, showing yeah. up he's walking in <laughs> sitting at that microphone I would love to smoke a cigarette Ryan, with Ryan White Steve. but, but to, <laughs> <laughs> to, to agree with you like my first reaction to the lines they announced today was, wow, I really like these lines. Literally, the only issue I have is I'd rather have Reed on line four than Laterra. And I think yeah. a lot of people echoed that. Like, a, yep. a lot of people were saying it at the same time I was saying it. A lot of people said it after without seeing that I had said it. And then, of course, and a couple, a couple an hour, hour later, we find out they waved Matt Reed. But, like, at least, I always say this about Reed, like, at least Matt Reed drives play. He doesn't score anymore. He's not as fast as he once was. At least the Flyers tend to outshoot the other team when he's on the ice. Yuri Laterra is getting butchered. Like, the Flyers are getting butchered when Yuri Laterra is on the ice. And I, 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 I'm certain the reason why Laterra is on that line with, with Lawton and Lear is because Raffle's a big guy, and they're like, well, we need another big guy because Lawton and, and Lear aren't big. They need a big guy to win battles. And it's like, okay, I get it He's to a, a degree. Raffle. I get it to a degree. <laughs> but Raffle also can skate. Laterra yeah. can't. I'd rather have a small guy who can skate at a competent level than a big guy who can't skate at all. And for some yeah. reason, they won't use the, oh, we need a big guy who can win battles and maybe play some defense in front of the net to address their defensive issues oh. with a guy named Samuel Moran, who we're going to get to now because I want to talk about him in light of this Radko Gudis suspension. Radko Gudis suspended 10 games for uh, fighting off and interference and losing his balance. Um, Hold well. on. Oh, William. <laughs> Hold on. That's exactly what I, I know you're a Radko Gudis oh, defender. <laughs> I'm that not going to say it wasn't a little take. bit on purpose. A little bit. <laughs> but don't put yourself in that position. So, uh, so, I don't know. Don't cross-check right. a guy and then grab him by the head. I don't know. You didn't expect. It's Radko Gudis. You're going to get slashed in the head. Like, He's a monster. There is th- there is a piece of that. Like, don't 
don't do multiple cross checks. He put himself completely in that yeah, position. Well, like, he was on the ice to get slashed because he was interfering with Gudis and got fought off. That's yeah. why it happened. Like he lost his balance and saw him there and was like, ah, two birds. <laughs> well, well um, I, I agree to an extent. When I first saw it, no, I was he deserves like, ten games. He, when I when I first saw it, I'm like, oh, that's ugly, but. Like, I understand, I can understand why it happened. Yeah, like, the gif that went around Twitter that just showed, like, him chopping, like, if, if that was all you saw, you probably yeah. thought, like, that should be 40 games. Yeah. 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 And <laughs> I that think was that's not the what whole happened. Story. Like, that was most not the of whole Twitter story. saw yeah. that oh, yeah. gif. Right, like, right. Oh, like, he, he straight up looked him. like an executioner. It's like, him. That's, that's someone, who, if Radko Gudis had an axe in his hand, why the fuck would he have an axe? Because they play on blades, duh. If he had a gun out there, it would be real fishy, too. <laughs> well, you know, a good skater with a gun. Sports. <laughs> <laughs> the only way to stop Radko Gudis with an axe is to put everyone else, give everyone else an axe. Well, was, you're talking about like the blade, like wait, he's actually Happy Gilmore, except yes. he can skate a little bit better, and he sort of knows where the shots are going. <laughs> Oh boy, this uh, this show has gone oh off Lord. the rails. But yeah, Gudis is a repeat offender. He does dumb shit all the time. Even when dumb shit isn't his fault, he's gonna get blamed for it because he does yeah. plenty that is his fault. I'm not saying he didn't deserve the suspension. I am. He sure, give him ten games. You can't do what he did. But also, they're extenuating circumstances. The NHL, I, the NHL actually, I think, got this mostly right. And of course, you're going to see columns of people saying he should have got 30, 40 games. Like basically, the NHL agreed that he did not mean to chop Matthew Perot in the head; that it was unintentional. But it was really reckless because if you're holding a piece of lumber, you can't just swing it around without care about where the other people on the ice are. And generally speaking, if you swing your stick and smack a dude in the head like you're literally chopping Ned Stark's head off from Game of Thrones, like <laughs> that's that's not Spoilers! that's not good. <laughs> I saw the first season. Okay. Uh, <laughs> yeah, no, you need to be in control of your stick at all times. That's one of those things, always be in control of your stick. That's like a life Male broadcasters lesson. out there, read the news columns. Yeah. Be in control of your stick at all times. Oh, boy. Uh, <laughs> folks, this is a PSA. It's what we do here. It's a dick joke. Uh, but why? Fires after dark. Why is it? Why isn't Samuel Moran up now? Yes, now they actually now like, why? when they lose Jesus. when they lose Mark Strike, they go all right. We need someone to play that role. They bring up Ghost, and we go okay. It made sense. They literally lost their enforcer. You have the enforcer down there, and you bring up computer generated invisible guy Mark Alt. Well, so Mark Alt has been here. Yeah, he was already up. He yeah. was he was already here. Um, which so is Rod Brendamore. We bring well, him in on a retirement. I'm, I'm he here. I think he actually works for the Hurricanes. I think he does. I think he's on the Can we get Rod on the show? No? I, maybe. <laughs> Eric, Eric, on the bench Eric. every game. Let's we know a guy. Terry. We know a guy. We know a guy. He sends us videos of his dog. It's enjoyable. Um, he was Mark Alt was already here, so it's not like they didn't try to bring up Sam Moran because they did, and and then it was just an uncomfortable injury situation. Did they waive Matt Reed to bring him up? Like, are they at their contract limit? I don't actually know this. So they definitely waived Matt Reed to call someone up. I don't know if that's going to be Moran because if the plan is to use Mark Alt, 
in the starting lineup for the next two games. I don't think they're going to call up Sam Moran just to sit on sit in the press yeah. box. Yeah, they're probably going to call up like a Will O'Neill or maybe T.J. Brennan now that he's healthy. Like the only way Moran is getting called up is if he's going to play. The thing is, like they've they've gone stretches this year with just six defensemen, yeah. and these mm-hmm. next four days are at home in Brooklyn, Thanksgiving, and at home. Like they they could. I think they may just be trying to get roster flexibility in case someone wakes up tomorrow and has the shits. I don't know. No, I hate it. It could happen. A lot of rich food around Thanksgiving. Mm, That's true. I I just, yes, they have six, but one of them right now with Andrew McDonald out and Gouda suspended is Mark Hall. And that's the thing. Why isn't it Samuel Moran? The weird episode a, a few weeks ago when Ghost got hurt and they called Moran up and then they're like, oh, nope, actually he's hurt. He's not gonna play. That like that was all weird. But the thing that I took from that was that was I at the time saw that as a clear message to Moran that, hey, we think you can play in the NHL. We're gonna give you this shot now. And it's three weeks later, he is healthy and playing in games, and there is no more sensical time to give him a shot than right now. Like this is it. Like you need a big guy who can hit people, play on the penalty kill, kind of play aggressive defense, kill someone if he needs to. Like he can't, he's not a right-handed shot, but otherwise, like, add five, six inches to Radko Gudis, and you couldn't get a much better replacement for him. Do we think that it's because Andrew McDonald is going to be back soon? Oh, my God, I hope not. I mean, he's definitely coming back soon. For he went what, on that latest trip, no? Yeah, but yeah. From, from what – I mean, I was in a practice today. From what I've heard from the people that were, the hope is that he will play Friday. But he's going to – they're expecting to miss the back-to-back. Truly Black Friday. <laughs> but like that that is also another reason why they they waived Reed because like when McDonald is ready to come off IR they were going to have to waive someone because mm-hmm. the one thing that like it kind of gets lost in the suspension because everybody's just focused on well Gudis is out for 10 games like when you're suspended you still count as mm-hmm. a roster mm-hmm. spot it's like a little You're puni- not on IR. Yeah, it's it's yeah. a pu- it's basically a punishment to the team. And yeah. like okay, we're going to screw up your roster flexibility a little bit by forcing you to keep this guy on your active roster even though you can't play him. So, when McDonald came off IR, they were going to have to get rid of somebody. Maybe this is just them getting a head start on that. Do you believe that they believe in Samuel Moran still as an NHL player? Oh my god, they better. Do you think that is my reaction exactly? <laughs> no, yeah, I mean sure. I can't He's imagine been, that they he was drafted by Holmgren. This wasn't it. This wasn't one of his guys. I know, but they, he's been down in the minors a long time now. Now they had an opportunity to bring him up, and they're yeah, not they get the seasoning. Yeah, he, he's big guys take longer. Number one defensemen take too. longer. Allegedly. Big guys take longer because they need Allegedly. to learn how to not rely on their size, which is what they've done for their entire careers. So, like, it's it's fine. Ish. Like, it's not fine that he is not playing over some of the other fucking bums that we have on defense. Didn't somebody do a thing on Moran in his draft class? Was it Namita? Yeah. 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 It, it Basically, it was saying that, you know, if he makes the NHL this year, he's still not, like, totally far behind his mm-hmm. draft class. But we should probably recalibrate expectations for him probably maxing out as a second-pair talent rather yeah. than a first-pair talent because if he was a first-pair talent, he probably would have made the NHL by now. Mm-hmm. That was basically the, yeah. the, the point. Which I, I never... don't think is a controversial opinion. Yeah, I don't no. think so. No, I, I think no. I, I'm happy with him as a second-pair. I don't pair. think I expected him to be a first-pair defenseman when they drafted him. Well, some people did. Well, I, I, I hope the Flyers of... did, or else no, why did I mean, you take him in the no. first round? Well, that's round. the thing. Like, did, part of the reason why I've never been super high on him is because I think they took him too high for what I assume will be like a number four at max. 
but he's, that's he's, neither here nor there at this a, point. He's going to be, yeah. if, even if he's a second pair defenseman, he's going to be a first unit PK guy that, yeah. that can True. play the whole two minutes. That's, uh, they need his, that's the thing. Is like I they need just feel like they need his role right now, mm-hmm. and they're still like, nah. And that's why I wonder. Do they believe in him at all as an NHL player? Yeah, I mean they they I tried to bring him up, like they tried to do that. So it, because he was the injury isn't going to hurt his stance in the organization. I don't think his clout. I it, it may have annoyed them a little bit that he didn't that tell, he didn't them. tell them. Yeah, but I don't think that's going to like kill his <laughs> chances of being a flyer over the long term. It may be that they feel like he needs a little slap on the wrist to be like, "Hey, kid, don't lie to us." But I actually think this is more the fact that I'm not expecting Moran to get the call tomorrow. Could be wrong. He might get the call once once uh, Reed clears waivers and they send him down. But the reason why I don't think he's going to get the call has nothing has little to do with Moran. I think it has to do with that they have been happy with Alt and mm. they are comfortable with him. And I mean, you could disagree with that, but I, I don't get the impression they have been dissatisfied with all. And it was like, okay, fine. well, well, he's here. We know he can. We we know he's passable at this level. Let's stick with the guy who we're fairly comfortable with I rather just, than throwing Moran. Like, how is that the organizational directive at this point? Does, yeah, Mark yeah. Alt has nothing to do with what this franchise is going to be, it's but fair. we're comfortable yeah. with him because he can play 10 minutes. Like, Hello, how is that de- Brandon Manning. Does the fact that he's a righty matter at all? Maybe a little. Really? It probably Maybe does. a little because I think they like. They don't have any. Like, well, they like, the and one. they like Sanheim right now playing the left. And mm-hmm. if you if you call up Moran, but you, you want to keep those top two pairs mm-hmm. the same, you know, Manning goes to yeah, Provorov yeah. Haig, you'd have to move Sanheim to the right because Moran can't play the right. They got some time together in Lehigh Valley, right? Those For, two. Yeah, they they played a little bit together. I mean, they they all played together, mm-hmm. yeah. but yeah, they and it, it's it. The parry makes sense. It just kind of comes down to whether you want Sanheim playing the right. He sure. can he can play the right, even though he's a lefty shot. He's got the puck skills to do it. It's just that Moran can't because he has enough trouble with the puck when he's on his normal side. You don't want him playing on his offside. Okay. Yeah, I don't know. I think this is what we've been going back and forth on Twitter a lot about how if this team is good or not, and they're not really, but the process is good. And I feel like this is one of those opportunities that you have to – move the process along like sure mark Alt is fine he's fine he's a guy that plays hockey pretty much yeah but you could bring moran up and maybe he won't be as fine to start but getting him more fine is part of the process like we need him to be an nhl defenseman yeah and if so he's not fine well hey let's find it out right eventually yeah, you're like, going to have to get him in here let's know to get him to be an NHL. like you're not going to get to be an nhl defenseman playing in the ahl it's never going to happen. No, at a certain point. So at some point, you got to get him up here. Like, you got to. You got. You got. You got to push the needle yeah. just a little bit. A and little they're, bit. They're not. They're not doing that, and they're still playing. <clears throat> and that, Brandon Manning. That right now is the most frustrating thing to me. Is if they're going to be a 500 or worse hockey team, get let's the kids just in. see. Yeah, get the let's kids in. Let's just see this. Like half-assing it. Like this, and I, I can't accept the. Uh, I can't accept the excuse that this town won't accept it because I watched this town accept it with the Sixers. I yeah. did. That's the thing. I think that's with, for you, Taylor. If people if know, we're go- if I'm going to be forced to trust the process, let's be as bad as friggin' possible. Let's get the kid up here who might be Robert Covington, and yeah, he's just jacking shots up with arms in his face. But eventually, he'll get good at that. <laughs> okay, this is the wrong sport. <laughs> I know. I got you. Got the you, court you sport. lost me. The court sport. The court sport. Yeah, balls, I, arms, things. I don't, I don't know what's know. happening. We talk anymore. about the ice sport here, but. But that's the thing is, 
I think we all expected them, I mean, at least I think we did, to be at best a bubble team this year, which is kind of where they are right now. But they're trending in the wrong direction right now. They're kind of moving off the bubble and moving way to the outside. So if that's where we're going to be anyway, let's just fucking get weird. Let's just start bringing <laughs> kids up and see what happens because the worst case scenario is they're second to last in the conference. Okay, that's where we are right now. And from Hextall's we perspective. We might actually think we might be last again. We? Well, uh, we're, we're bouncing back. They're like more. five points out of the top of the Metro, but they're also last. Yeah, like the Metro is ridiculous. It's a weird it's year. Stupid. But like, yeah. you almost wonder from Hextall's perspective, like if this team is like <clears throat> middle, like like around like the 30th percentile, 30th, 40th percentile in the league again, like it was last year with basically the same roster. And you've got a prospect group that was by and large rated the best in the NHL this past offseason. How do you how do you explain that to like your higher ups? How do you justify? Yeah, we're making them watch this shit again. Like, and when that gets is, to, when does the pressure fall on him? And that gets to the question I, I asked earlier that. this season. Since Ed Snyder's passing, who are the higher ups? Who yeah. does I mean, they, Ron they Hex- exist? No, they exist, but, but it's like a board. Are they hockey people? Are they people who care? Are at they all? Philly guys? Are they people who care at all? They love Brian Dawkins as much as we do. Or is it just (laughs) probably not? Is it just Ron Hextall's in charge because he's our hockey guy? And like, does Ron Hextall answer to Paul Holmgren? No, that's asinine. No. Well, I think he does, right? Well, no, I don't think Paul Holmgren has a real job. Can Paul Holmgren fire Ron Hextall? I seriously doubt it. Dave Scott is like the new Snyder, but he's not. He's not not a hockey guy. It's not just him. It's like him with other people who make decisions. Holmgren, he's the president. He was quote unquote promoted. He deals with like getting the Ed Snyder statue in front of him. Making speeches. Like, and, yeah. and doing, like, you know, charity events and stuff. He's not in control of, of running. And that's my question. Like, if, this, if it's Dave Scott and manager. some, you know, nameless board, do they care at all? No. Because you can say a lot about Ed money. Snyder. Yeah. He cared. And maybe they shouldn't care right now because Ron, when he got hired, told them, hey, it's going to be painful for a little bit. We're going to do some things. It's going to be a trust the process-esque kind of situation. And then we're going to have this great team with all these assets we accumulated. Maybe on the inside, they know that, and that's fine. But if they don't, I want to know if there's some any kind of other plan other than, oh, we brought Dean Lombardi in. Maybe he can shake things up. Oh, oh God, please don't no. get me started. Um, <laughs> I, I have... I, have a hard time with this whole whole line of thinking only because like I don't think you need to be a hockey guy to run a team. Um, mm. I, I think that that's a very hockey mentality. Actually, it's it's a very sports mentality. It's why yeah. Sam Hinkie was run out of town. Um, I don't think that you need to be a hockey guy to run a team. You have to have the best interests of the team at heart, and the team needs to win for that to happen. The team is not doing that. So at some point, Ron Hextall is going to be held accountable for not having the balls to put the rookies on the team that should be on the team. In the end, it's just going to come down to money. Like mm-hmm. the, the the difference with Snyder was that, like, yes, yeah, Snyder wanted to make money, but he wanted this team to win yeah. more than anything. So if he thought that the people running the team were not going to give it the best chance of winning, he was going to fire them. As long as the Flyers are still making money like crazy, I don't think that the Comcast people are going to be, you know, in any itching hurry to fire Ron Hextall. But if the Wells Fargo Center starts being, you know, 70% full and isn't selling 30% of their tickets, 
then that's a different story. Do you foresee a situation in which that could actually happen? Okay, well, no. I will say this. It, th- that place has looked pretty empty in recent weeks. Now, granted, the tickets are, the tickets sold, are sold, but at problem, some yeah. point, people are just going to be like, well, I'm not going <laughs> to these games anyway. Why am I continuing to buy these tickets? Yeah, that building is a, is, is a tomb for long stretches anymore. It's, it's, it's very, very depressing. Quiet. It's I've, very quiet. I've hated that building for a long time now. When the Flyers yeah. score, it gets loud. The rest that's of the time, it. it's you a can library. Hear a pin drop. Yeah. It's it's embarrassing. All right, so the, <laughs> we, we have like this show is going so fast. We got ten minutes left. Do we, we started well, at thirty two, right, Taylor? Thirty three. All, All right. right, so we've got thirteen minutes right. left. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> so and now this is Steph prompting me to get to the thing she really wants to talk about. Um, well, naturally, the team, <laughs> the team, like we said, is dying for secondary scoring. Nolan Patrick on Saturday, first forward in two weeks to score a goal, other than G. Jake and Coots. Um, you look at what's going on in St. Louis right now, and if you're a Patreon subscriber, you heard us talk about uh, the best line in hockey right now might not be the Stamkov line. Might be Tarasenko and Schwartz, centered by yours, mine, and our favorite player, Braden Shen. <laughs> not yours. Not mine. <laughs> <laughs> Kelly's Was <honest>. the Shen <laughs> trade a mistake? No. So I thought it was then, and I still think it is now. So, hold up, driver. No, no, no. Right. I let you talk first yesterday. I'm talking first this time. Okay. Um, so, I thought it was then because it made the team worse in the immediate term. And this is what we're seeing. It made the team worse this year. Sure, Morgan Frost looks good. Who knows what's going to happen with next year's first-round pick. So, essentially, we traded a trusted and true offensive weapon for two lottery tickets and then some bum named Yori Latera who did a pop chip commercial in Finland, which is delightful, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> that, that's, the, that's the good pop part about Yori Latera. Um, and it, Buy and, pop chips. Okay. <laughs> Watch the Yori Latera commercial. Um, so the, the, the common line of of thinking that i'm seeing from flyers people because flyers fans cannot accept that Braden shen is good it's not anybody in st louis it's it's philadelphia people saying well he's only scoring because of tarasenko yes tarasenko is very very good however Yori Latera was playing with Tarasenko. And you know what? Yori Latera blew because Yori Latera is not talented and he's not good. Braden Shen is talented and is good, and they're both capitalizing off each other's talents. It made the team worse in the immediate term. That's my thought. But I- you did admit that Braden Shen was probably not going to be this Braden Shen here. Because nobody on this team is as talented as Tarasenko. Right. Like th- there's, so and this is just probably a mutually beneficial move. Good for him and good for us. In the long term, I guess, but his points are missing this year. It's not good for the team to not have that production. And that's part of my issue is uh, maybe not so much the trade itself. They got good value. The coach and the GM. The GM has never sounded like he really liked Braden Shen. He really, everything he's ever said out loud about Braden Shen is like, yeah, we'll see. You know, all right. Yeah, we had to give him that contract because his numbers said so. The coach, you know, he and the coach kind of. 
didn't really have a back and forth, but there were some comments made yeah. last year yeah. by Braden Shen about the coach that maybe they didn't get along. <laughs> my issue is... Um, Braden Shen led the resistance, yeah. and I love it. <laughs> I love it so much. My issue overall is the judgment of talent and veteran ceiling. Like, he's 26 entering his... This is this is his prime, so he's putting up the best numbers of his career. Yep. Did they not see how maybe good he could be? And did they not see he could do it at center at 26 years old? Because not everyone can do at 23 what they're going to be able to do at 26. No, there's no Schwartz and no Tarasenko here. But say you have the top line as it is right now, killing it, one of the five best lines in all of hockey, and then you put Braden Shen between just two of Konechny, Wheel, and Simmons. Would that not make this team much better? It would. And did they like they bring in Jordan Wheel? They don't know how good he is. They finally get a shot. He's killing it right now. He's not good, but that could be a number of things. I think he's played decent overall. You bring in Dale Weiss, he stinks. You trade for Yuri Laterra. They never really believed in him, but he's in the lineup now and he stinks. This is becoming an issue for me. They think Brandon Manning is good. They think Mark Alt is fine. They think. Andrew McDonald is a number one defenseman. Overall is the judgment of talent by the coach and GM. That's what is the problem for this trade for me. Mm-hmm. Again, I think they got good value. Morgan Frost looks good. Two first-round picks and a roster player. Pretty decent for a guy you didn't just you just didn't want to pay $5 million. You just didn't want to pay him $5 million. And if you had another season like the one he had, you were going to have to pay him more. So, all right, you didn't want him, you traded him. Got good value. But is their talent evaluation bad? Yes. Yes. And yeah, I, I'm not going to argue with you there. And I think that we've been screaming this since the beginning of this season, probably even into last season. Yeah. But I think this off season going into this season is when we we started to really look at Ron under a microscope, mm-hmm. and and his veteran evaluation is horrific. It's really bad. I have some thoughts on Shem, but I I want to yeah, this, that's right. Like you, in I was thinking through this on the drive up here earlier in the three or four off seasons now and three regular seasons plus this one where Ron Hextall has been the GM. I was able to think of one like real legitimate difference maker that he's really brought in at the NHL level. That was Radko Gudis. And mm. even then he got like all the credit there, killed it, got a little lucky. Cause that was a throw in. Cause Gudis was injured that yeah. year. He yeah, was injured. Yeah. He did, did not play, play again. Yeah. Then he came in and all of a sudden, Oh, he's better than Braden Coburn ever was. This is weird. Yeah. But otherwise like, there have been some moves at the margins. Michael Delzato was fine here for three years. Um, wow, I ran out that quickly. Uh, yeah. I, guess, yeah. I guess Neuvert had a good first yeah, year. Nor- yeah, Neuvert's not bad. Like, he's an NHL. He's, he's a solid NHL nice goalie. Backup. I mean, Jordan Wheel, the throw-in yeah. for that trade. Yeah. Well, that trade, well, that okay, that was a great deal, but that's because L.A., for some reason, thought Vincent LeCavalier was still good. Yeah. Discussions mm-hmm. for another time. <laughs> I don't, oh, Lombardi. right, that guy's here. Yeah, you yeah, know, he's with us now. <laughs> special. <laughs> I looked, it's special but, assistant to the general manager. Yeah. He's literally just hanging out. They're bo- like they're just sitting there shooting the shit like before He's the date starts. Yeah. Like he brings coffee. Well, the the article the article with him at the Athletic um, basically said it was like if Ron Hextall needs me to do do his dry cleaning, like I'll drop it off. Like Perfect. God, that article made me so angry. <laughs> yeah, there's a lot of things mm-hmm. we can talk we can but, talk about. But that. yeah, I mean three and a half Saturday. years, and I mean he's clearly objectively absolutely done a great job replenishing this farm system. Yes. When we got here, it was dog shit. Like working twenty ninth or thirtieth by any measure you yeah. would find. This past offseason, ranked number one or number two pretty much anywhere you look. No. He gets a lot of credit for that. Yes. However, that's half the battle. That is half the battle, and it's an important one, but it's not everything. And if he can't prove that he can bring in even just, like, 
marginal difference makers at the NHL level, that's a problem. Yeah, and and I mean, this is playing the game of NHL hockey. It's not, well, let's see how good our prospects do in the CHL. Let's see how our AHL team does. Yes, it's the trickle-down effect, or I guess the trickle-up effect, uh, <laughs> whatever. But at some point... The NHL is the one that matters, and if you can't evaluate NHL talent, whether they're already on your team or, or you're evaluating for a trade or um, to, to sign a free agent, like you're not good at your job. It's entirely possible, and this may be sacrilegious to say, it is entirely possible that Ron Hextall ends up playing the same hinky part of this operation where – the NHL team doesn't get anywhere. Obviously, was never as bad as it was under Hinky, but the NHL team never gets anywhere under him, and he's just isn't great at finding NHL level talent. But he sets the pieces in place for the next guy. And if you know, in five years, this team is really good, then we'll be able to have an argument about how much of a role Ron Hextall plays in that. But maybe I'm getting ahead of myself. I was here. thinking the same thing in terms of Hinky and what the Phillies did with uh, with Arbuckle and Ed Wade built the championship team mm -hmm. and then someone else comes in, puts them over the mm -hmm. top. I always, I, I was actually thinking the same thing today about Hextall. And I wonder if he's the guy I still believe in him because what the cap situation he took over was a goddamn mess. The farm system he took over was a goddamn mess. And those things, his two top priorities were fixed, but now we're looking at this NHL product and it's eh, kind of exactly like it has not improved since he got here. No. It has not no. improved at all. Okay, I want to I want to go in on Braden Shen for a second. Here. Oh boy. Uh oh. So So, because we're mad, right? <laughs> so, I absolutely 100% acknowledge that Braden Shen has been doing very well in St. Louis. I expect that to continue, maybe not at this level, but I expect him to I expect him to have his best season of his career this year considering how strong of a start he has, considering his line mates. However, I'm not totally on board with the idea that, like, the Flyers dramatically, like, that the Flyers could have foreseen him being substantially better than, he's, than he was in Philadelphia. Because I would argue that aside from, like, a four-month stretch in the 2015-2016 season from, like, January through the end of the year when he was just fucking on and he was like a point per game guy who was driving play who him was, and ghost got who him was, in the playoffs who was year. killing it. i mean shem was awesome from like january through the end of that season into that playoffs he was great as soon as they traded luke but if you take <laughs> if you take that stretch away i think he really in philadelphia was a third liner at five on five from a production standpoint who was very good on the power play if you remove that hot streak from his play that's all he was so at some point you have to take a step back and evaluate the the results that you have in front of you. And the results were telling the Flyers that Braden Shem was okay, but he wasn't a difference maker. Now he's a difference maker in St. Louis, and that's awesome for Braden Shen. We can discuss whether that's a line mates. We can discuss whether Braden Shen, after he got traded, was like, you know what, I'm going to give a big fuck you to the Flyers. I'm going to kill it this offseason. I'm going to go out there and prove to them that they were wrong for trading me. Who knows? Who knows what's driving this? But... I don't think he would be doing this in Philly, and I don't think that, like, it would be better because we've talked about it. The Flyers have, when they, everybody's healthy, they have eight top nine forwards. Braden Shen is a top would nine forward. Nine, if he yeah. would, if he was here, they would have nine. But like, I don't think that they dramatically misjudged the true talent level of Braden Shen because that would imply that Braden Shen was 
performing under his true talent level for like five seasons. So the question that I have for you is, did they need to foresee this the whatever whatever is happening for him did they need to foresee it or was his production enough i mean there, this is still 50 60 points that they're missing out on a season by not having him on the team i mean it was fine like braden shem was fine it's just that i don't like the idea of like this is just another example of the flyers not realizing what they had like i, I, I after a guy puts up after a guy shows a certain degree of talent for five seasons and it's okay not drop dead amazing but okay I, I don't know like can i really yell at them when they assume that that was his true talent level i the mean thing let's I look will, at we're couturier. from philadelphia and we yell I mean, <laughs> we are the thing i will yell about is because i was watching something uh i think it was just a random blues game the other night and they asked him like what is up like in between periods they're like what's up like you know you were never this like he's top five in scoring yeah. right now yeah. him and Jaden schwartz last i checked were like tied for fourth in the league in scoring uh, they're like, how are you this good now? And he's, the first thing he said, they let me play center here. We gave up on that. We were like, nah, he's just a power play winger. That's all he is. Like, yeah, they why didn't, didn't we he let him play center? He wasn't good defensively here. <laughs> but, but he wasn't. Like, you have to be good defensively. And Sean Couturier wasn't good offensively here, but we let him grow into the role. For the same amount of seasons. The same amount of seasons. So, like, what if they tried the Giroux wing experiment with Braden Shen as the center? That, that, that was that was the thought I had. So the, if we want to play the what-if game here, and I don't know how close we are on time here. If we want to play the what-if okay. game here, if it's Giroux and Voracek and, like, Konechny or Simmons or Raffle or Wheel or someone else, and you have Shannon Couturier on their second line, how confident are you that Giroux and Voracek bounce back this year the way that they have? I don't think they would have. No, okay, because I, I, agree. I, don't think I they would have. like, yes, they'd be better with Shen here, but Giroux and Voracek being good again is more important to me than anything Braden Shen could have done. And if having Couturier on their line unlocks that, then like that, that's really important, I think. But and, and I think that Shen was really like when he was with Drew over the past few years, he was okay. Not as good as you'd hope a guy would be with Drew. And some of that is on Claude. Yeah. We know he had a rough past couple years, but really he was at his best at fives when he was with Couturier. So like, if you can have Shen and Couturier on line, Giroux and Voracek on line, if they were both going to be great lines, then yes, you want Braden Shen back. But like like Charlie said, he wasn't great at five on five for most of his Flyers career. And I don't know if having him here would change a lot about what's happening at fives. And if we accept that this team's top power play is still pretty good, maybe a little worse, but not enough that we should yell about it on a podcast. Like, Don't tell me what know. to do. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> and that is all the time we have for you on Broad Street Hockey Radio this week. Uh, the only question we didn't get to is why is Anne LaPerriere still the penalty kill coach? It's a I'm really sure good we, question. I'm yeah. sure we could just go around the room. Everyone's answer would be a unanimous I don't know. Yeah. Uh, so, uh, yeah, thanks for listening, everybody, and have a great week, Philadelphia. Happy Thanksgiving. Yeah, American Thanksgiving.
Hello, I'm Spencer Hall from SB Nation, and I want to tell you about my new show, It Seemed Smart. It Seemed Smart is a show about people doing things that, for some reason or another, seemed smart at the time. Those things might include doing a little cocaine and driving a bike up a mountain, or, I don't know, maybe racing 100 miles per hour across the country in the middle of the night with no one's permission, or even stealing a bat from an umpire's room in a Major League Baseball park. Check it out, and if you like it, tell a friend. I'm Spencer Hall. Don't do anything smart. <laughs>